Hello, my name is Cedric Chippendale, and this is the fourth installment of our podcast called Parakaleo Podcast, where the name in the original Greek means to come alongside those who are in pain. And the goal of this podcast is to comfort and to provide solace through the use of scripture for those of us who have experienced or in the process of experiencing loss and pain and those of us who are in the process of grieving. The birth of a child awakens in the parents a variety of emotions. In her book entitled The Conspiracy Against Childhood, Edda J. Lashan writes, A new baby is like the beginning of all things, wonder, hope, dreams of possibilities. The very popular song that is sung around Christmas time, which has been sung over the years by a great variety of singers, it is called, When a Child is Born. Though the lyrics do not make any specific mention of Christmas, they attach importance to looking forward to the birth of one particular child somewhere, anywhere. The birth of a child can engender hope and expectations for the future. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Lamech in Genesis chapter 5, who, looking at the face of his son Noah, gives his son the name. It's part of a very long list, for some people a tedious list of the genealogy of Adam. And towards the end of chapter 5, the monotony is broken, where Lamech provides an explanation for giving his baby boy the name Noah. And so in Genesis chapter 5, verses 28 to 29, we read, Lamech lived 182 years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Even though this was a normal birth, Lamech looks into the face of his child and he sees a bright future. But at the same time, he looks back and sees the source of his pain. And so, with the birth of his son, Lamech, in giving his name Noah, he gives us some insight into the grieving process. And in the study, we will see that the grieving process involves the recognition of a grief-generating event or events. That means something in the past. Lamech is focusing on the future. And then he's trusting the Lord for rest from the pain, knowing that it only comes from the Lord. And so in the naming of his child, he gives us three lessons that we could learn when it comes to coping with loss, that there is a grief-generating event in the past. There must be a focus on the present, but at the same time we have a hopeful expectation of the future. And as we look at the words of this father, we discover that his confidence, as well as our confidence, must be in God alone, who is our source of hope for rest, and relief from pain. Let's look at the first one, the recognition of a grief-generating event. 
la mechrites, arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. And what he does here at the birth of his son, or the naming of his son, he looks backwards. He sees the root cause of man's pain, mankind's pain. He sees the root cause of the grief and the toil which they are going through. Uh, this reference arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed refers back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. This is Yahweh speaking to Adam after Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they ate from the tree which God had told them not to eat from. So we read, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I have commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God by refusing to trust and obey Him, they were not only expelled from the garden, their sin brought to Adam and their descendants the prospect of painful toil until death. When God judges the man, that's Adam, he begins with an observation that Adam obeyed his wife and ate. Adam's sin is really a sin of passiveness. Adam's participation in the act with Eve was almost an afterthought. Adam sinned willfully. The serpent didn't need to convince Adam to sin. And he sinned at the prompting of his wife. And this act, because Adam acted as our representative, brought sin into the human race. And the judgment that God places on Adam corresponds with the crime. Adam ate, therefore he will experience painful toil in eating. The punishment would be an ongoing or perpetual reminder of the sin. The work of scratching out a subsistence from the soil will be painful toil. The Hebrew word for pain that is used here for Adam is the same word that is used when he spoke about Eve. Eve would have pain during childbirth. And because the ground is cursed, the toil that Adam and everyone in his line would be painful. Man's difficult toil will continue until he died and return to dust where he would once again become the prey of the serpent. His death then would not only underscore the fact that the serpent has caused death to replace life, but also a reminder that human beings are earthbound. And so the ambitions that the devil installed in them at the very beginning of the temptation, saying God knows that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, 
what the devil has told them or promised them turned out to be a lie. Mankind would think that they are like God, but God declared, dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. Lamech, whose father was Matusalah, is not the same Lamech as in the line of Cain, which promised that Cain will be avenged 77 times. This Lamech, completely different to a previous one, hoped for rest, while the other boasted of revenge. Lamech's life, as the boy was born, centered on that boy. This man was obviously anguished by the desire that had befallen mankind in the garden. And the after effects of that sin has now been felt in the generations that follow. He's looking forward to a time that God will give them rest from the pain and the toil. And so he points to the curse of Yahweh upon the ground in chapter 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so Lamaich, in talking about painful toil, is using the same word which God uses when he spoke to Adam by saying, by the sweat of your brow you shall toil. It's also the same word that is used when Eve was judged by saying, from now on, you will have itstabon, you will have pain in childbirth. And so what Lamech is doing here is that he's going back to a time in history where he can pinpoint when or where the pain started. For him, it started in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. And so as he grieves or as he longs for some relief, he acknowledges that there was an event in the past that brought about the pain that he's experiencing right now. It gives us insight into a healthy way of grieving. La Mer is backward looking. He's looking backward to an event that caused the pain, the event that caused the grief and the event that caused loss. In Lamech's case, it was Adam's and Eve's rebellion against God's command in the garden. So in looking into the face of his child, he sees hope, but at the same time, he goes back to an historical event that he can pinpoint as the cause of the painful toil that they are going through at that time. In our situation, we can look back to an event that can be a marker in our personal history when it comes to our pain and loss. It could be an event of a painful divorce. It could be a job loss. It could be a death of a loved one. It could be a catastrophic decision that was made, such as an abortion. Lamech looked backward so that he could identify the root cause of mankind's pain and loss and turmoil. Each of us have a history. Each of us can pinpoint in our personal history to an event or a series of events 
that resulted in our pain. Some of us have gone through such pain that it is so painful that we have managed to bury it in our subconscious. And that is why some people go to seek professional help, to identify the darkness that's in our lives. And part of grieving, part of getting over suffering and loss, is the ability to point to a historical event in our personal histories that we can say, now I can see where the pain comes from. In Namech's case, it was Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and from that day forward, life was hard. And with the birth of the son, he looked into his baby's face, but he also looked backwards to say, now he might be able to give us rest, from our toil, because the ground was cursed by Yahweh. We can look back to an event, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it was a loss in a lifestyle, whether it was a catastrophic relationship or a catastrophic decision that caused the regret and pain that we are feeling. And so when we think about the past, we have to remember. But the problem is many of us either do not want to remember because it's very painful. And so we go through a process of denialism. We deny it ever happened. Others get stuck in the past because we think that now we cannot move forward because we're always backward looking. But here in the naming of his son, we find that part of healthy grieving involves looking backward to an event that caused the pain. But at the same time, we find Mamech is also firmly grounded in the present tense. Because we read in the text, now he named his son Noah. And even though Lamech is looking backward to a grief-generating event, he is firmly grounded in the present tense. Now he called his name Noah. Lamech is the only father in the chapter that provides an explanation for his son's name. He named him Noah. In the Hebrew, Noah, saying this one will bring us relief from the agonizing toil of our hands. In naming his son Noah, in one way, it's a desperate call and a hope for some kind of relief from the life of misery and servitude that he was going through at the time. And so here, Noah's name, when it's combined with the root word comfort, uh, means there's a play on words, and it simply means this one will cause us to rest. And so Noah is a source of hope for Lamech, because even though he's looking back into the past, he's also firmly grounded in the present tense. So the question is, how will Noah 
cause them rest. In the Palestinian environment, the arrival of the rainy season was an occasion for great joy for those who live in Palestine. And for the farmer, it was a period of rest because now the soil can be moisturized and there will be fertility in the soil. And therefore, the success of the next harvest is almost guaranteed because there was an abundance of rain. And so Lamech is naming his son to give them rest in the same way as the rain would give the farmer rest from the toil. But Lamech didn't know that the rest that, that Noah would bring would come as a result of a deluge of water or a flood of water. And only when the water subsided did the ark come to rest on the mountain. In other words, the comfort that this boy will bring will be preceded by a time of pain and loss. Namech realized that the birth of this boy has brought him relief as well as relief for all mankind, and he named him accordingly. And so in this climatic pronouncement about Noah, indicates to Lamech a time of rest and comfort, a comfort from all the drama of the garden, comfort from all the drama that Cain has brought, from all the pain of the curse. Up to this point, the results of Adam and Eve's rebellion carries with it wounds of alienation and death, scars and curses of Adam and Eve and Namech. In chapter 5 of Genesis, we find this long record of a genealogy. And with repetitive monotony, we read, Then he died, then he died. Then he died. He died. He died. He died. And it seems so negative. But yet Lamech realized that all this negative drama has been encompassed in the reality of blessing, rest, and relief. And as he looks into the face of his newborn son, he knows that God would use Noah as his instrument to bring about rest, relief, and blessing. The key to surviving, I believe, loss and grief is not only to access the situation that caused us pain in the past, but to remain firmly grounded in the present tense. There's a tendency for us to imagine what might have been, what could have been, what should have been. We become either sentimental or disconnected from reality. We realize that there is a darkness in our lives. But yet when Lamech looks at the baby's face, he, with an eye on the past, he remained grounded in the present tense. And that is why some translations would translate this verse in Genesis chapter 5, verse 29. Now he called his name Noah, saying, 
He speaks about a man that is firmly grounded in the present tense. The nation of Israel had to learn how to cope with pain and death. The same thing applies to us. The reality of living on this earth is that we are not immune to death and pain and loss. They learned that those who enjoy the blessings from the hand of God on their lives must be firmly grounded in the present tense. In the same way, if you and I want to enjoy the blessing of God upon our lives, we have to be firmly grounded in the present tense. Like Lamech, with an eye on the past, he looks into the face of his newborn son and is firmly grounded in the present tense. So we have two things here. Number one, when it comes to the grieving process, the process of loss, is that there is a grief-generating event in our lives, whether it was the loss of a marriage, whether there was a loss of a child, lost of a loved one, whether there was a catastrophic decision or a catastrophic relationship. There is a grief-generating event in our lives. At the same time, while we are looking backwards, we need to be firmly grounded in the present tense. And the last thing Lamech reminds us is that there is hopeful expectation in the future. In chapter 5, verse 29, as he looks into the face of his baby, Lamech says, This one will give us rest from our work and toil. Noah will bring comfort from the labor and the painful toil of the curse. Lamech is the only member in this long genealogy to explain the meaning of his son's name. By naming his son Noah, Lamech expresses hope for the human family that through his offspring, God will do something. Lamech's vision for Noah rings with the reverberating sounds of the garden's tragedy. Reference to the toilful labor and cursed ground reflects God's judgment in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, where the ground is cursed, and man is doomed to beat out its existence by painful toil. Lamech's yearning for comfort and rest because of the after-effects of the rebellion of Adam and Eve in the garden is the thing behind his vision for his son his anticipation that God would use Noah to somehow provide some form of relief in the lives of the people of Israel. In doing so, he anticipates the, the level of sin in Noah's day, as described in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, 
and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Lamech connected the widespread wickedness of human society to man's first act of disobedience in the garden. But though he could easily have been weighed down by the negativity and the darkness of that decision, he is looking forward to a future victory and predicts and prays that Noah will be an instrument that God would use to bring about that victory. Therefore, he says, God will comfort us through Noah. And by doing so, he's anticipating the role that Noah would play in the coming flood. Noah's birth keeps alive the hope of a deliverer and ultimately of a final deliverer in the form of Jesus Christ. Lamech's hope resides with God's blessing on Noah. And God will use Noah as his instrument to bring about rest. This comfort does not come as Lamech wishes or expects. However, the relief will come only after a disastrous flood. The root word for comfort here is the word nachem, which means to take a breath, or in a sense to breathe pantingly or hard like a horse. Noah will be an instrument that God uses to bring comfort. The word here for comfort, uh, nacham, means to take a breath, or as in a sense to breathe patently, or to breathe hard like a horse. The root of the word comes uh, simply comes from the idea to breathe a sigh of relief or to ease oneself. In essence, when the Bible speaks about comfort or to console, the word here simply means someone who comforts out of sorrow rather than comfort in sorrow. And somehow in God's sovereignty, God would use Noah to comfort the human race out of sorrow because God's heart is injured because of the sin of mankind. God will do something quite phenomenal in the time of Noah, and that is to wipe the earth clean of sinful man. But at the same time, God will preserve his plan, and that plan would be set in motion. We find a word play on the word Noah and rest. When the flood has ended in Genesis chapter 8, verse 29, Noah offers a sacrifice, and it says there, and the Lord smelt the soothing aroma and said to himself, Never again will I curse the ground because of mankind. And then God gave rest to mankind. And so at the end of the flood, when Noah offers that sacrifice, and Noah worships God, it meant that at, up to that point, all sorrow and toil and trouble are over that God's wrath is satisfied. 
And so Noah's comfort, the comfort that Noah would bring, would be the initiating of a new era, a new era of righteousness. And so Lamech's sentiment reflects the oppression of living under the curse of the ground. But it also expresses hope for some relief that in some way through the birth of Noah, God will bring comfort. The key to this passage is that God's original rest brings blessing. And the child called rest, it's another word for Noah, God will give us comfort from the curse. Now at the end, with rest or Noah, God lifts the weight of the curse. Lamech, out of the depths of his loss and longing for relief, looks forward to a hopeful future. Because out of lessons learned from past pain, while remaining grounded in the present tense, he anticipates a hopeful future. When you and I go through loss and pain and suffering, we can pinpoint to an historical event in our personal lives from where that pain has resulted whether it's from a catastrophic relationship or a loss of a loved one. But at the same time, as we look backwards, we have to remain grounded in the present tense. Now he named his son Noah. Also, like Lamech, we can look to the future. That because we belong to God, and because God is sovereign, we, even though we cannot quite explain what happened to us, we can look and anticipate a hopeful future. As the Bible reminds us that there will come a time where we see him face to face and we will dry every tear from our eyes. There is a double sense here. We look forward to a sense of relief in the future. But we also anticipate the day where we stand before God one day. And somehow, in a strange way, all of this will make sense. There is a past event. We can remain grounded in the present tense, but we can anticipate a future where God will relieve us from our pain. In other words, we can look forward to a hopeful future. Lamech has this baby in his hands. He looks into the baby's face and he takes himself back to an event in Genesis chapter 3 verse 17. At the same time, he is firmly grounded in the present tense, but is also anticipating a hopeful future. This boy will bring us rest. So what lessons do we learn from Lamech and the naming of his son? I think there are three lessons as I conclude. 
by naming his son Noah. Lamech enters into his own darkness by remembering the source of his grief and loss. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Number two, by anticipating a hopeful future, that is, Noah will bring rest. Namech teaches us that his confidence is in God alone who can provide release and relief from his pain. The third thing Lamech teaches us, that no matter how great the pain of loss and grief, God's grace always offers a fresh start. Thank you.